0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
2: And over time, the more that I did and the more that I tested, the more that I figured out what do people need? What do I like to do and how can I find an intersection of that to get paid? So I started realizing like a lot of people just weren't marketing savvy and I really, really love marketing marketing. That's when I kind of transitioned into marketing services and online products and things like that. But it really just came from trying. I tried a bunch of different things before I settled on what is now my, you know, career, my business. And had I not gone through all that trial and error, I wouldn't have known, okay, what's my sweet spot?
0: You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazon. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Hola, mi gente. Welcome back to another episode of Yo Quiero Dinero, the podcast. This is your host, Janice, and you are listening to episode 134 How to market yourself with Emily Dela Cruz, creator of One Day CMO. Emily Dela Cruz is an entrepreneur, author, and trainer with one goal, rescue overworked founders from being held hostage by their marketing. After a decade in corporate America working for top tech and consumer brands, she developed her one-day CMO intensive to train CEOs and their teams on building intentional marketing strategies and workflows. Her unapologetic approach to life and business has earned her highly engaged following on social media, features across top publications like Forbes, and the opportunity to work with brands like Staples, Dropbox, Capital One, Black Enterprise, and Coca-Cola. You can find Emily across social media at... Emily Dela Cruz or on her site onedaycmo.com If you're a struggling entrepreneur who wants to get yourself out there, you want to market yourself in a way that is going to boost your bottom line and give you the results that you're looking for in your business, this is the episode for you. I think one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of people make is that when they think about marketing, they're just trying to copy what everybody else is doing. And I promise you, that is not going to do shit, okay? And Emily and I are going to tell you exactly why you need to start thinking about marketing completely differently than you might have thought, When we talk about marketing, we're going way beyond your fonts, your logo, and your color scheme, okay? We're getting into the meat of what it takes to actually be really good at marketing so that you can actually see the results in your business that you are looking for. So you definitely don't want to miss this episode. Stay tuned. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Emily, welcome to the podcast. Super excited to have you here.
2: I am so excited. Like if you guys could see my face right now, I'm smiling so hard. I feel like I'm meeting like the finance J-Lo of the moment. Okay. (laughs) It's like, wow. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to
0: be here. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Thank you. The honor is mine. So I have the pleasure of discovering you through Ada from All Things Ada. I caught you all on an Instagram live and you were talking about passive income, how you plan to reach financial independence, and just overall like badassery that I had to know so much more about. So for folks who are encountering you for the first time, go ahead and introduce yourself. Yes. So hello,
2: everybody. My name is Emily De La Cruz. I am a Latina from the South Bronx, born and raised, half Dominican, half Puerto Rican. And that's always important to say because I think a lot of my money mindset came from being from the South Bronx and growing up with a Latino family. So throughout my career, I've been doing marketing, focused on marketing automation and passive income. And I really just took what I was learning in corporate America and what I learned in college, and I started blogging about it. And it became a side hustle. And then it became a full-time business. Today, I'm able to really just enjoy the fruits of all of my labor by being able to just look at my money and look at work and look at life a little bit differently than how I was taught.
0: Mm. Yes. I'm so here for all of that. Now I want to go back in time and let's talk about what you learned or didn't learn about money living in the South Bronx, right? Cause we all have this like coming up story, especially if you're like from an immigrant household, first gen Latina, people of color, like we are typically set behind the eight ball when it comes to learning about money. So what was your experience?
2: Girl, so my grandma thinks, every time I talk about my grandma, so I grew up with my grandparents, and every time I talk about my grandma, she's like, you always telling my business on the podcast. You always telling my business. But she was such a a big influence, and I remember growing up, it was always, la piñata agria, we don't have enough. We're stretching the money. You know, I I tell the story all the time, but I danced throughout, you know, my teens and in college, and we would go to dance competitions and do all these things. And I remember we would go to like the Coin Star machine, and my grandma would put like all the change that she saved up into the Coin Star machine to get cash out to pay for whatever. She would sell pasteles for Christmas and Thanksgiving time, selling coquito. Like my grandma was the queen of side hustles. My family was always side hustling. My mom's in network marketing, and she works full time. So, growing up I always saw you have to work hard for money. You have to do a lot of things to make money. You have to stretch yourself to make ends meet because a job is you need a job, but a job isn't going to be enough for you. So, I really internalized that and I think when I first started my job out of college, I started a side hustle immediately because that's what I knew. You know, it wasn't necessarily like something strategic. It was just like, oh, everybody in my family has five jobs. I, too, will have five jobs. So it really impacted me until, you know, I kind of grew out of it.
0: Yo, that is such a fact. And I think a lot of people don't realize, like, we do have entrepreneurs in our families. We just don't have, you know, the Elon Musks and the Jeff Bezos in our families. We have the people selling the pasteles and the coquito because what other fucking choice do they have? Right. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the entrepreneurship that we see is like a result of necessity. It's not because we have the liberties and the fucking privilege to be like super creative and be like, hey, I'm just going to go invent something. Right. And I think that just goes back to our culture. It's like we are get shit done by any means necessary. It's like embedded into our DNA. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes. And
2: you know, well, you have to remember like our grandparents generation, a lot of them, you know, they're not educated. They didn't, you know, my grandma, I don't think she, she I think she went to up to 6th grade if I remember correctly. Like she didn't go to high school, she didn't go to college. She got married at 15, 16, had four kids. My grandfather, you know, was in the military and then he became a contractor. So it was like we're a family of like trades of doing things with your hands to get it done. So The whole idea, like still to this day, I think my grandma thinks I design websites. (laughs) Like the whole concept of like online entrepreneurship and like real estate and all that type of stuff is just so foreign to them. But I love that I can, you know, essentially be that education piece for them and kind of give them the real of like, okay, y'all, you know, what you grew up knowing in the seventies and the eighties, like girl, we, we, it's a different time. It's a different time.
0: Absolutely. All right. So let's talk through your career and how you got to where you are today. So what did you study in college? What did you start doing after you graduated? And then how did you make the transition from corporate to owning your own business?
2: Yeah. So let me tell you about foolery number one. So I had a... (laughs) Girl, this was when it went downhill for me. So I went to Catholic school my whole life and I got a full ride to a, a Catholic college. And, you know, everybody was just like, well, obviously my family, they're like, we don't care what the hell you want to study. You're going to go where it's free. So I went to that small college. One semester in, I was like, this isn't for me. I don't feel challenged. It feels like high school all over again. Like I'm transferring to my dream school to Syracuse. And I had applied to Syracuse University. I got a decent financial aid package, but because I I decided to go to the other college, I lost my financial aid package. So when I transferred financially, it was a strain on my family. And I laugh now because had I known then what I know now, I would have just gone to school for free. Like these student loans, ghetto, Maybe <laughs> girl for what? Like this degree for why? But I wanted to go to the top communication school in the country. And I was going to go to Syracuse and get my public de- relations degree. And I was going to be a publicist at, like the devil wears Prada in fashion. And it was going to be so, <laughs> fabulous. And then I got there. I did like six internships. And I'm like, oh, all these people that work in fashion, they are broke, honey. They're (laughs) making $32,000 a year they're working long hours, like it does not align with my spirit. So I transitioned over to social media marketing because when I was in college, that's when like Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all of that popped off. So being young, I was able to, you know, leverage that and help small businesses. And then eventually, you know, I just kind of started off my career doing digital marketing and kind of just progressed up the ranks that way.
0: Amazing. Okay. So You see the power of marketing because you're experiencing this new frontier, if you will, um, Mm -hmm. through your career. So how did you decide, like, I need to do this, but for myself?
2: I've always been, like, a teacher, if you will. Like, I'm the the little kid that was, like, playing secretary and teacher, you know? So when I graduated from college, I had three job offers and it was at the tail end of the recession. So a lot of my friends were graduating into internships. They were graduating into like unpaid situations. And I'm like, girl, I y'all don't understand. Like I cannot be out here working for free. Like I'm not doing it. To this day, I'm not working for free. I think that's honestly my money mantra. Thanks. But um, <laughs> I started blogging because I just love to write. I've had a blog since I was a sophomore in, in college. And I just started kind of writing about my experience. What was I doing with my resume, how I was using LinkedIn. I was using Twitter professionally back when like people were just on there talking about what they was having for breakfast. You know, I was kind of like doing all these things because I had to hustle to make it out of, you know, my situation. So again, because I don't do anything for free, people kept asking me for advice. And I was like, all right, if y'all going to be wasting my time, I need money, okay? So we need to figure (laughs) this out. So I would do little stuff like I'm 21, 22 years old, like doing career consultations for $50, okay? I'm doing like content, like social media, like content marketing plans for like $97. I remember I had like my first teleconference because back in 2012, it was like, there was no webinar. It was like, everyone get on this conference line, right? I did it. And two people showed up, one of my friends from high school, and then one real like potential client, but I kept going. And over time, the more that I did and the more that I tested, the more that I figured out what do people need? What do I like to do? And how can I find an intersection of that to get paid? So, I started realizing like a lot of people just weren't marketing savvy. And I really, really love marketing and enjoy like the science of marketing. So, that's when I kind of transitioned into marketing services and online products and things like that. But it really just came from I love to encourage people, it came from trying. I tried a bunch of different things before I settled on what is now my, you know, career, my business. And had I not gone through all that trial and error, I wouldn't have known, okay, what's my sweet spot?
0: Y'all, I hope you heard that. That is a fucking gem because too many of us get caught up in this, like, oh my God, I got to figure it out. I got to get it perfect before I start showing up for my business. And you end up not doing shit. I mean, quite honestly, right? Like so many of us are just so paralyzed by the ability to make a decision. Thinking that, like, you'll never be able to change and evolve as a business owner. And I promise you, like, the only thing that I can guarantee as a business owner is you will never be doing the same fucking thing forever. And mm-hmm. if you do, you're going to go bankrupt like Blockbuster. I mean, really. Yep.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. I always say you have permission to change your mind. I don't know what it is about the internet. And really it, it is the internet because back then, right, like it didn't matter. Like I didn't have 30,000 followers and this and that. I didn't have anybody to hold me accountable. I was doing me and I could change my mind 17 times because I wasn't going to quote unquote publicly fail, right? But now because we real quick to put something on the internet, girl, I'm doing this, right? And then two weeks later, you're like, this was the worst idea I've ever had in my entire <laughs> life. Like the real. And it's like, damn, well, like I can't change my mind because I just told all these people on Instagram that I'm going to do this. Right. So we definitely have permission to change our minds. Like we're not being held hostage in these situations. It's just us kind of getting over the mindset of like looking like failures. Like people change jobs, people change careers all the time, and it doesn't feel like failing. But the moment you do it as an entrepreneur, you switch your business model, you switch your offerings, you change niches. We feel like, oh no, I'm this bad person and I failed, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so talk me through the transition to entrepreneurship. Like, how did you know that you were in a place where you could realistically make that leap, right? Because a lot of people want to do that, but it's just like, oh my God, what am I going to do about insurance and retirement? And like, how am I going to replicate this success? What was that process like for you?
2: I was forced into entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship was not on my radar. Like I said, I always thought that I was going to be a CMO and that I was going to climb up the ranks and do my thing. But like I said, when I graduated, it was such a tumultuous time in the economy. And to be honest with you, with the tech boom, people weren't prioritizing marketing in the way that they were prioritizing development dollars or coding and engineers and stuff like that. So I ended up getting laid off twice in one year. So I got laid off in February. I found a new job and then I got laid off again in November. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm supposed to be doing something different. So I'm still job searching. I'm still looking, and during this whole time, I'm still side hustling. So I'm selling like twenty seven dollar like social media challenges, ninety seven dollar classes. Like I'm just selling a whole bunch of little stuff, but I- I'm making traction. You know, I have written two books, so I'm making traction. And one day I looked up, and I'm like, "Dang, I replaced like my salary!" Right? I I was making like forty something thousand dollars. I had replaced my salary, and even though it wasn't a lot of money, I was like. I could go work for somebody who's going to stress me out, be on their dime, be sitting in Atlanta traffic because at the time I had moved to Atlanta, or I could just kind of see where this entrepreneurship thing goes. So I kind of jumped in with my, you know, both feet to see like, okay, well, like let's figure this thing out. Luckily I had savings because I always, you know, believed in being financially stable. So having an emergency savings, I think at the time I maybe had like three or four months of like my expenses. I made sure, you know, that I I lived very lean. So I had a roommate, you know, I had moved from New York to Atlanta where the rent went from being $2,400 for a three bedroom to $700 for a three bedroom, like in the outskirts of the A. So I just have set myself up financially to be able to take the risk. So I was like, okay, well, let's do this thing. Like we're going to see where it goes. And that's when I kind of really jumped in heavily into teaching classes, doing digital products, taking on clients and doing all the things that when i had a full time job i just didn't have the bandwidth to do. You know, there's only so much that you could do after work. So i really just focused on like expanding and scaling the things that i was already doing as a side hustle.
0: Mhm. I love that. And i love that you touch on being financially prepared to be able to make those decisions, right? Cuz like That is what stops a lot of us from making those decisions, Mm -hmm. not having that FU fund, not having that emergency fund, just not having some sort of parachute in place so that you can take that leap. So that's important, y'all. Like if this is something that you're thinking about, start planning now while you have that paycheck, start putting Mm -hmm. away extra money. Like I started really accelerating my investing when I knew I wanted to quit. I started paying myself through my business and ignoring my paycheck, like pretending that Mm. shit didn't even exist. And so you start getting into the mindset of like, pretend what it's like to be an entrepreneur before all the pressure is on you and see if you can really hack it before you just go crazy.
2: Yes, I love that. Because what people don't realize is your job is stressing you out, but you have the stability of a paycheck, which yes, granted, you can get fired, you can lay, get laid off at any time, which I'm a witness of. But you also have to realize, do I want to be stressed working nine to five with a paycheck? Or do I want to be stressed dancing, pointing at reels and not making no money? Because like, let's be real, like, not everybody's out here making money. Right. So we jump. Oh, I'm going to jump into entrepreneurship because I hate being an employee. No, you don't jump into entrepreneurship because you hate being an employee. You jump into entrepreneurship because you have a solution for the marketplace that people want to buy. And that solution is more financially lucrative than your job. Right. So it's like if you're going to go from making six figures in your job or 50K in your job to go make $5,000 in your side hustle, crocheting, whatever, girl, like it's not finna work. Like we need to do something else. So that's something to always like remember that it's not just about, oh, well, I hate my job. I'm going to go do something else. It's okay, my business is in a place where I know that I can scale it and that it can actually like sustain me and pay my bills.
0: Absolutely. Okay. So there's a lot of people that have really brilliant business ideas, but have no idea how to actually communicate the value of that. And that's what we call marketing, right? It is literally communicating the value of what you have to offer to somebody to be able to convince them to buy. What do you think that a lot of people get wrong about marketing?
2: Oh, I love this question. What I see in the marketplace all the time is that people, because of our limiting beliefs, right, not because they're doing anything wrong, but because they believe my worth comes from what I can do. My worth comes from what I can provide. They're constantly talking about, my class has this many modules and does this and does this and does that, right? My service, I, I will talk to you for one hour and do this and do this and do this, right? So they underprice their stuff and they over-deliver very often. So now you're sitting here exhausted and burnt out, right? Because you're putting in way more time for this little bit of money because you you convince yourself that that's what you need to do to be worthy, right? Of being an entrepreneur. And then when you talk about your stuff, you're not talking about the benefits. You're not talking about the transformation. You're not saying, hey, working with me is going to allow you to delegate your marketing so that you don't have the stress of having to show up on social media every day. They're saying, you're going to meet with me for six hours in a VIP day and together we're going to do X, Y, Z. And it's like, girl, your audience has, they feel something, right? Your target audience is not a group of demographics. It's not women, 19 to 40 who blah, blah, blah. It's a group of people who share a similar experience, who are going through some sort of emotional something, right? What are they feeling? What is the problem and the pain point that they're trying to solve? And that's what you're selling. It doesn't matter if you're selling it in three modules, in a VIP day, in a course, you're selling a solution. Same thing with products, right? You're not selling a hair oil with peppermint and blah blah blah. You're selling that you're not going to be bald headed after 3 months, right? You're selling that your edges are going to grow back. Right? People are going to pay for their edges to grow back. They don't care what the hell's in the oil. Just tell me what's what's going to actually happen. And when people lead with with that solution-based marketing, it becomes a lot easier to see sales because you're talking to what people actually want, not what you think that they need. Yeah.
0: Absolutely, that is major key. Like, if your business blows up after listening to this podcast, you're welcome. You owe us royalties because that is like business school 101 marketing. Okay, um, business is a very psychologically driven thing, right? Nice. Marketing is is definitely like a psychology driven thing. It is being able to attach somebody's emotions to your product. Like Mm -hmm. you want them to feel something when they're interacting with your brand that says, I need to have this in my life. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be that like you're selling something that is quote unquote, a necessity, but you have to convince somebody that they need it even if it's a want. Right. And so let's take our friend Ada as an example. Ada just launched a line of luxury robes, right? Mm -hmm. Specifically geared to the Latinx community. And I mean, a robe is a robe, right? At the end of the day, it's a piece of clothing you put on to hang out in your house. But what she did so brilliantly is conveying this idea of luxury and rest and abundance and wealth that is not a message that we get from a lot of clothing companies, especially ones that are geared towards us, of this mm-hmm. idea that you are worthy of a luxurious experience in your house wearing a fabulous freaking robe. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Ada has built a her community over pretty much a decade at this point so people already invested in her success because they connect with her as a human that type of capital is built over time like when you get to the place where people are just throwing money at you regardless of whatever the fuck you're putting out it's because you put in the work to be very clear on what you do how you serve and the benefit that people have of interacting with you like as a brand
2: Yeah, for sure. And one thing, too, because I work on Vecina Couture, I do their marketing. So one thing that came up when we were, you know, talking about this, I remember I was in Detroit for work. And Ada came to visit me because she's in Chicago. And she's like, so I have this crazy idea. And if you know her, you know that every week she has a new idea. (laughs) So she's like, so I have this crazy idea. So, you know, I want to make batas and I want to do this and I want to do that. And I'm like, okay, well, like, let's think about how we can make this different, right? So we sat down and we thought about like, what are all the things that we hate about all the other robes? I hate that when I do the dishes, my sleeves get wet. I hate that I look frumpy. I hate that the little string always gets lost. I hate that if I'm sitting down, it opens up, right? And like, now my boobs are showing. So we just went through this list of like all of these issues that we saw with other robes in the marketplace. And then we made sure that when the pattern for the robe was made, it addressed all of those issues. So the robe has a ton of features that also solve problems for people, right? That are also selling points. And with the conversation of luxury, a big thing that came up was, oh my God, like these are so expensive to be a robe. And it's like, well, the fabric is excellent quality. Like you, you can't get this anywhere else. So either you pay us For this robe, or you can go struggle with the robes that are gonna get wet, that's gonna you're gonna lose a string that don't look right. Like it's up to you. Like it does to us, it's not you know, it doesn't matter to us because we're here at the end of the day to provide an experience. But it's kind of like if you wanna keep struggling with these other items, then be my guest. But over here. In the luxury aisle, we put a lot of time, money, and effort into creating something that was also unique in the marketplace. The robe idea isn't new, but how we put it out into the marketplace and how we develop the features of the robe was different to help us stand out.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I think it's also on the other side, right? Like as the business owner that's putting out this product, it's okay if not everybody can afford your shit. Cause mm-hmm. not everybody's meant to be your customer, and I think we take such offense to when people are like, "Oh my God, this is too expensive, ma'am." That's just not your customer. It's all mm-hmm. right. You'll survive. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> I used to feel that way all the time. I would see like boutiques on Instagram, or like you know designers will be selling like a dress for three hundred dollars, and I'd be like, "I could get that on Amazon for 30. Like, what are you even
0: talking about? So go do that.
2: You know, <laughs> I, like that literally will be me. And then over time as i started to value the quality of my clothes you know i buy stuff from forever 21 all the time but after you wash it two times it's faded the material is looking ratchet like it's like do i want to keep rebuying something from forever 21 20 times or do i want to just pay for this one high end thing that i know is going to last me that i can wear for a long time
0: yeah i absolutely love that and it just it's a sign i think of like maturity once you get to a place where you realize like saving money is not always saving money like mm-hmm. it might feel like saving money in the beginning but if you got to keep buying the same shit because you're just trying to get the cheapest version of something you're not actually saving any type of money and that mm-hmm. also goes along with like investments in your business sometimes trying to cut corners is going to have you doing all the work oh my god
2: <laughs> say it again for the people in the back <laughs>
1: Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: Selling a little? Or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com dinero. <laughs> so let's talk about this idea of marketing and, and entrepreneurship being like this endless rat race, right? Because mm-hmm. Especially like as new business owners, I think people feel like they have to show up always, constantly. Like, mm-hmm. I gotta be on Instagram Live 17 times a day. I gotta be posting 25 times a day on all the social media platforms. And then obviously we get burnt out. Mm-hmm. You have a different take on this. Yes,
2: I don't believe that we need to be showing up constantly on a platform that at the end of the day, doesn't give us the impressions that we need, the views that we need. And the reason I say this was because back when we had a chronological feed, right, back in the day when life was wonderful on social media and everything was sunshine and rainbows, the consistency and the frequency of when you posted mattered because the only time people would see you in their feed was when you posted in real time, right? So if you post at 9 a.m., 1 p.m., 3 p.m., whatever, whatever, you're showing up, right? When that changed over to the algorithm, that same formula didn't work anymore, right? The formula of, oh, I have to post all the time so I can be visible changed because now Instagram decides when it shows your content and to who it shows your content. So when I think about you know exposure, when I think about impressions, when I think about getting views, a lot of people can post three times a day or three times a week and the views would be the same right? Because of the algorithm, because of the quality of their content. So are you producing quality content that's valuable to your audience that they see twice a week? Or are you producing content every single day that's mediocre for the sake of saying that you posted, right? And a lot of the burnout comes from the fact that as a CEO or as the founder of your business, marketing should not be part of your day-to-day, right? You're running the numbers, you're hiring the team, you're managing the team, you're dealing with fulfillment, you're coaching, you're doing whatever. So it's like, after you're doing all of that, now you have to sit down and write a blog post. or now you have to say, baby girl, you don't have no brain power for that. That's why you burnt out because you've already extended all of your energy at your full-time job and doing the other more necessary things in your business. So one thing I always encourage my clients and people on social media to do is to consider search-based content, right? Evergreen content, content that lives forever because on the feed, it's going to die. After a couple of minutes, after a couple of hours, it's going to die, right? It's going to get buried down. Like I have some fire-ass posts from 2008. Guess what? Nobody's seen them on Instagram. It was a waste of my fucking time. But (laughs) if you go on my blog, right, or if you go on my YouTube channel, or if you listen to podcasts that I've done, those live forever. They're like immortal pieces of content. So what would it look like if you put out one good piece of evergreen content somewhere per week versus you pointing out words on reels? Like, girl, it has to be better like not everybody is Janice out here who is funny and, and knows how to do the reels thing like some of y'all we looking a mess okay in the reels we looking a mess it can't. No, we can't dance okay the pointing be <laughs> off beat the the transitions be off like my friends laugh at me because when reels first came out I used to do like all these like snap transitions and my friends would be like your snaps are off bro like they're so <laughs> bad like your transition are so bad like do something else and I kept doing those because I felt like oh, okay well like that's like the trend now. And then eventually, like I found my groove and and I found, you know, how to make reels work for me. But when we start to just blindly follow what the herd is doing, we kind of lose our essence and we lose the things that make us unique and the things that make us feel good. And if you don't feel good in your business, you're not going to keep showing up.
1: Mm. You're
2: not. And that's why mm-hmm. we quit our businesses. That's why we get burnt out. That's why we get overwhelmed because we're literally swimming upstream. Like we're doing the opposite of what we know that we want to do. But we feel like, oh, well, if I want to have a six-figure business, so-and-so posts every single day. So that's what I need to do. And it's like, maybe that's not what God called you to do. Maybe you're supposed to serve in a different way, but you're not following the path that you should be on because you're over here trying to be with everybody else at the community pool doing real <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yo, I love that you broke down the importance of evergreen content, because I can't tell you the amount of people who are just like showing up strictly on social media that are like, oh, but do I really need a blog or do I should I start a podcast and da, da, da. And I think what happened this past week, right, with Instagram and Facebook shutting down for seven fucking hours, if that wasn't a wake up call for you, that you need to own the shit that you are creating out here on these internets. I don't know what else to tell you, ma'am. Like if you don't have an email list, if you don't have like a text message marketing list, if you don't have a podcast, if you don't have somewhere on the Mm -hmm. internet that belongs to you, that is not a social media third-party platform, you're asking for trouble. And you're wasting a lot of time, right? Because like you mentioned, the algorithm will bury all of the shit that you create on social media. I still, my most popular episode is episode number two. That shit came out like two and a half years ago and people are still listening to it. Okay. So that just speaks to this power of like, you don't always have to be showing up a million fucking times on social media for people to find you. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. And if you do want to show up a million times, find what works for you organically and then run ads. I know that there's this whole like... Fear around running ads and stuff like that. And it's because people haven't figured out what actually works for their business. So they're just throwing money at ads. But if you know, for example, the episode two is your best listen episode, then you can run ads to that episode, right? You can run ads to the audiogram because you know it's going to convert because we know from the data that it works well. But if you're over here just like, okay, I'm going to do all these random things and nothing is working, then of course ads aren't going to work because ads only amplify what works. You know, so that's something important too. if if you have the budget and if you have found some things that work organically, cut some ads on. Right. And let the ads, you know, you have to pay to play. But like you said, sometimes cutting corners and trying to do everything manually just takes up more time that you don't need to be doing. You could hire somebody to, you know, run your social media. You could hire somebody shit. You could get a, somebody's like pull down their reels and just like repurpose them. Right. Like use somebody's audio, use somebody's video, create means like you can, you don't always have to be the face of the marketing of your brand. You can figure out other ways, you know, to kind of delegate that stuff too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So let's talk more about this rat race concept, right? Because I think another thing that we're guilty of as business owners is creating businesses where we have to show up for every single dollar. I hate that business model. I feel like if you don't have some sort of passive income built into your business Mm -hmm. model, you are just creating another fucking nine to five that you got to be showing up for forever. So Mm -hmm. tell me your thoughts on that.
2: Yes, so now that I, you know I'm thirty, so now in my old age, and now that I'm wise <laughs> this is what I've learned. There are absolutely going to be times where you need to have input to get output, period, like you can't escape it, but what I found was. When I was doing my side hustle and building my business, I was doing it with a purpose. So I was doing my side hustle to pay down debt. Then when I had my business, my agency full time, I was working on buying a house. And if you go on my stories and in my highlights on my Instagram, I have a whole profile. Like when I went to my accountant and I was like, I'm ready to get a house. He's like, baby girl, but you wrote off 70% of your income, girl. You're not getting nobody's house. Okay. I think we had reported that I had only made like 37K that year. Ooh. he's like baby girl you can't buy nothing with that you know <laughs> so we're gonna have to redo your taxes we're gonna have to redo this um then you know they were giving me a headache so I went back to work so I got a, a job at the leasing office of the apartment complex that I was living at I cleaned hotel rooms on the weekend like waking up at you know five o'clock in the morning to drive an hour to be at work by 6 37 a.m to clean hotel rooms until three o'clock and it's like but I'm Emily, like, I've been in Forbes, like, girl, have you seen my follower? <laughs> Guess what? The mortgage company did not care. The mortgage company did not care about my followers, did not care about the articles. They were like, on paper, you're looking a mess. Yeah. Right. When I went through all of that, people were like, well, why did you do it? And I'm like, because I want money that I don't have to show up for. Right. When people pay rent every month, I don't have to do anything for it. I've also bought a house in Dallas that's on Airbnb. The profits from that pay for the mortgage of that property and also pay for the rent of the apartment that I live in in a high rise. Right. So I start eliminating bills when I bought assets. And what I found that a lot of people do is they want to jump into their business and they want it to be passive right away. It's like, I'm going to launch an ebook. It's like, okay, girl, do you know how many ebooks you have to sell to make a decent amount of money? <laughs> Sis, yeah. the $7 ebook, you're going to have to sell 50 million of those, right? Yeah. So I always like, okay, take on clients. Launch a high ticket offer launch a coaching program, launch a course, get your money, invest that shit, and then you can go off and do the do the passion projects right now that I have those things in place, now I can do the podcast right now I can go do the two ninety seven course now I can do you know more of the passive low ticket stuff because I made the high ticket money that I was able to, you know, invest. And for you, it might not be real estate like me. It might not be Airbnb. It might not be whatever, but there's still a way that you can figure out, okay, how can I start to eliminate myself out of my business? Because now I have a money to replace myself, right? Maybe it's hiring somebody. Maybe it's, um like I said, running ads, whatever it is, but you need to get over the idea of like, Money is just going to fall out of the sky for me because I'm a good person. Like, put in your work, get this coin, stack this paper, save up, and then worry about, like, retiring. Like, folks be wanting to retire at 24. And it's like, girl, it's not going to work. The math? We don't need to do that. I ran the formula. I ran the formula. I did the math. It doesn't work. So just get out here. Struggle just for a little bit, lose sleep for a little bit until you can save up and put yourself in a financial position that you can take more risk and then start to, you know, fall
0: back. Absolutely. I love it, y'all. And so, if you are not taking some of your business income and converting it into assets, you're doing it wrong. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, whether that is buying real estate, whether that is creating passive income sources through your business, whether that is investing in the stock market, I don't Mm -hmm. care. I don't care. But If you're going to take your livelihood into your own hands, right, and you're going to walk away from an employer that's giving you potentially access to a 401k and whatever else, you better be doing that same amount of work for yourself. Because otherwise you're going to find yourself at 70 with no fucking savings, with no retirement, with no nothing. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be completely on you. Like, you can't blame nobody else for that.
2: Mm Hmm. Mm Hmm.
0: Yeah, passive
2: income is definitely something that we all like aspire to have. Right. But I really had to learn that like you were saying, like work-life balance, it doesn't always exist for you. And luckily for me, you know, if you have children, if you have a husband, congratulations, God bless. I don't. So I also really looked at my twenties as an opportunity. It's like, okay, I don't have kids. I don't have a husband. I don't have, thank God, no like medical bills or anything crazy that I had to, you know, be responsible for. So I'm like, I'm going to be tired. I'm going to struggle. It's going to hurt for a little bit, but I'm going to figure it out. And then once I figured it out, then I was like, okay, now i know where passive income fits in because i created like the structure and i made the sacrifices to make it possible for myself but when i had the mentality of like oh well you know i'm just going to go passive from the beginning i'm like okay well i'm making pennies and my friends over here who are doing real work they're millionaires so there's something that i have to change or something that i have to adjust you know
0: mhm yeah Absolutely. Okay, let's go back to a marketing question that I feel like would be really relevant to folks that listen to this podcast, right? Mm -hmm. When we think of marketing culture in general, I think of like the Russell Bronsons of the world, like the Mm -hmm. very bro white marketing culture. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of women, especially women of color feel like they got to show up the exact same way and be Mm -hmm. hella fucking code switching in Mm -hmm. this industry. I like to take the complete opposite approach. Like I'm gonna show up as a Puerto Rican from Jersey because that's the only thing I know, and that's what I tell yep. people like, show up as who you are. So what are your thoughts on that and how we can lean into what makes us different as a marketing advantage?
2: Yes, so when I actually decided to like jump into the, I guess, personal brand space, right? Speaking and whatever, one of the advantages that I had was that, I could connect to the Latinx and and the black market in a way that white people cannot, right? And when I looked around at all the people that we were mirroring, it was middle-aged white men. And it's like, when I talk about being from the Bronx, right? And when I talk about my grandma didn't go to high school or college, when I talk about I had to take out every single penny of student loans to go to school, I can resonate with people. You know what Dave Ramsey is talking about? Dave Ramsey is talking about pay off all of your debt and then save an emergency fund and then buy a house. Baby boy, we have to do both (laughs) at the same time, okay? Because guess what? I didn't inherit anything from my parents. I didn't go to school when college was 35K. For four years, okay? Like when we was putting quarters in the jukebox, like we, (laughs) sir, you're old and you don't get it because you're not living in these 99s and the 2000s with juvenile, right? Right. So (laughs) it's important for people who share similar experiences to show up in these spaces so that we can understand what's relevant. Yeah. A white man is going to be like, hustle, show up, blah, 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 blah. They're not taking care of their kids, right? They're not a single mother, they don't take the train an hour, an hour and a half each way to get to work. They don't have grandparents that live with them. They don't live in a, in a three-bedroom apartment with five siblings. They don't know. So they're going to give you advice from a perspective that is only unique to them. And it doesn't resonate with us. you know. So whether it's clothes or services or whatever, you're going to be able to connect with your consumer because you understand their cultural experience, you understand their geographic experience. Like, you know, I always laugh in Dallas because it's like everybody's always perpetually late in Dallas. Like, that's just a thing. But I don't feel any type of way because I'm like, I'm from New York, where if the two train decides to stop at 125th Street for 30 minutes, like that's just what we're doing. It's (laughs) That's just life. okay? if they decide that it's showtime on the train, baby, it's showtime on the train. Okay. So, like, I just have this experience of growing up in New York City that I can understand and I have a different perspective of situations that somebody who grew up in Idaho does not have, that somebody who grew up in, you know, Wisconsin does not have. Right. And that's what allows me to you know, have my own kind of lane that I can create for myself because the people who are teaching us how to do things don't look like us, don't live like us, and therefore they can't serve us in the way that we can serve ourselves.
0: Preach. That was a whole testimony, y'all. I love it. Okay. Let's talk about some of the limiting beliefs that especially women of color entrepreneurs have around marketing themselves. There's Mm. so much fear about showing up online, getting judged, this whole cultural shit of like, don't make noise, don't attract attention, like that shit's embedded in us. So how do you recommend starting to work on overcoming those limiting beliefs so that we can show up for our businesses?
2: Ooh, the first step, and it's gonna be crazy, it's you have to put boundaries with your family. The people that programmed you, are oftentimes the people that we're closest to because as Latinos, we live up under our, our family, right? Like I go to New York all the time and it's like, girl, you spend more time in New York than in Dallas. And I'm like, yeah, girl, because like my family's there, right? And every time I go home, I start to get reprogrammed with the beliefs that I grew up with, right? So I, I'm like, oh, I'm a bad bitch. Boom, 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 boom. Life is great. Life is great. And then I go back to the Bronx in the same house that I grew up in. And then I remember, la piñata agria, no hay suficiente. Oh, we have to do this. Oh, we got to get ready for that. And it's just always like, they don't vibrate at the same level that I vibrate, not because they're bad people, but because they don't know any better, right? And sometimes we we don't wanna like leave our family or like leave our old friends behind, but every time we put ourselves in these containers to absorb these limiting beliefs, we will because it's subconscious. So that's the first thing that we need to do. The second thing that we need to do is just sit with ourselves and every time we make an excuse about something, get to the root of why that excuse exists. Oh, I can't show up on Instagram Live. Okay, why? Because, well, I don't have makeup on. Okay, well, why do you feel like you need to have makeup on? Oh, because, you know, every time I I was leaving the house, my grandma used to tell me how crazy I was looking if I didn't brush my hair and if I didn't look like I was going to a gala to go to the bodega. Okay, why was that? Oh, well, because my grandma was trying to assimilate. Oh, why was that? Because she came from Puerto Rico with two, three kids, and she was just trying to make a way for her family. Okay, is that necessarily the story that I need to keep telling myself in twenty twenty one No, so I'm gonna mm-hmm. show up on social media how I need to show up because now it doesn't matter, right? We don't need to blend in. we don't need to be perfect to be profitable, right, And that's one huge limiting belief that hispanics you know deal with. It's like because I'm the cultural other. I need to work two, three, four, five times as hard as my white counterparts to be relevant, to be respected, to be trustworthy, to be an authority. And then you see our white counterparts and they're showing up with all their kids in the background making noise. They ain't combed their hair. They got the (laughs) Starbucks from yesterday. They're not
0: even bathing allegedly, y'all. They're not even taking regular baths. They
2: don't wash their legs. And I mean, (laughs) I love, you know, I have a lot of White colleagues, but, and this is no shame, but, you know, a lot of my white friends, because, you know, I went to Syracuse, so I have, it was a white school. I have a lot of friends and it's like, they just take this easy breezy approach to life because they don't ever think like, oh, I'm not worthy of this. I'm not deserving of this, right? It's their everyday reality. So for us, we overthink every little thing. We overthink every little thing because it's like our life depends on it. It's like our life mm-hmm. depends on this Instagram live. Our life depends on this social media post when that's not always true. And that's not always a story that we need to keep telling ourselves. So once you kind of sit with yourself and understand like, why do I believe these things? Where are these stories that I'm telling myself coming from? And is that a story that I need to employ in present day to survive? Because at the end of the day, we're people who are always constantly in survival mode. Once you kind of walk yourself through that, you will see how you really be bugging. It's like, wow, I'm really crazy. Mm. Why would I ever even be? Of course, I'm going to charge $5,000 for that because according to my calculations, that's what I'm worth in the marketplace. Oh, no. But, you know, I have to give Juanita a discount because, you know, we went to high school together. (laughs) You know, me and Juanita, we went to high school together, girl, and we played on the softball team. So I just have to hold it down. But then Juanita comes with a Gucci bag and it's like, girl, so you had (laughs) the money all along. She did, right? She definitely did. But you decided to give her a discount because of your own imposter syndrome, not because Juanita couldn't afford it. Mm.
0: Yo, I didn't realize we were going to church during this podcast episode, <laughs> but wow, that was a sermon. Thank you for sharing that. And that was some real talk. That's some real talk. Like we are our own worst enemies more often than not. And sometimes mm-hmm. that's That requires us getting therapy, y'all. Like no shade, no shame therapy. We got a lot of triggers and traumas we have to address if we're going to start to break the cycle.
2: Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yes. Okay. So let's talk about self-care, right? Because I think it's very easy for us as people of color. like We just feel like we always got to be doing all the shit, Mm -hmm. all the time, doing the most. God forbid you take a five-minute break. Everything that you've worked so hard for is going to magically collapse, of course. So what does self-care look like for you? And how did you start to implement some sort of routine in your life so that you're not perpetuating this like rat race culture that so many of us are victim to?
2: Yeah. So I know one of my posts on Insta, I got a lot of response to it because it was that, right? I'm tired of people confusing consistently doing something, which is doing something the same over a long period of time with constantly doing something, which means to do something frequently, right? And one thing that I have been doing probably for the last maybe three, four years was at the end of the year, usually in October, I'll fast and I'll get all social media all the way up until the new year. And People were like, are you crazy? Like, how are you going to get clients? Like, what are you going to do? But because I had been consistent for so long, right? Because I had been talking about marketing and passive income and whatever for years, a decade, by the time it came time for me to need a break, I had already put my stamp in on the marketplace, right? Like if you were to take a break, like let's say for whatever reason, you don't publish a podcast for f- four weeks, like your podcast isn't going to fall apart because you've been doing this for so long and you've showed up in the marketplace that people already know, okay, personal finance, Janice, like that's it, right? So when I um started like taking those breaks off social media and I would come back and nothing broke nothing fell apart i was still getting referred because i was doing good work right and i wasn't just relying on my marketing to get me customers i was relying on my customer fulfillment right if i do a good job for this person this person's going to tell somebody else right i did a good job for ada ada want to tell all of social media now all of social media needs emily right and that doesn't require me to show up that doesn't require me to sell myself because Word of mouth and referrals sells even better than you can sell yourself. So that's one thing that I do is I just get off social media. If I'm not feeling it, I'm not feeling it. I was off social media for six months this year, had the time of my life. I didn't think I was ever going to go back on Instagram, but I came back because I miss sending memes. I miss my friends. I miss keying on the stories, right? Like I miss that connection of real life, not necessarily the marketing piece. Another thing that I do is every Tuesday, I take a bath every single Tuesday is sit with your thoughts Tuesday. I take a bath and I listen to a guided meditation, a hypnosis, something for an hour. Like I'll just lay up in there. Like I'll turn off all the lights. I'll turn on some candles and baby girl, it's the spa. Okay. <laughs> your thing is like, ah. Pretending I'm somewhere on a tropical island, but I need to slow my thoughts, right? Because I'm always thinking, I'm always this thing, this thing, that thing, that thing. So when I sit with my thoughts and I just like slow my thoughts down, I'm really able to understand like, what's next get ideas feel refreshed just recharge because every single day if you think about it we go from screen to screen we go from the computer screen to the phone screen to the tv screen to the computer screen to the phone screen to and it's like damn like our eyes and our minds don't get a break from constantly consuming information so a big big part of my self-care is like trying to decrease my screen time so that i can actually like hear myself think And that's Mm -hmm. just been like a game changer for me. Of course, there's Mm -hmm. like vacation and buying designer stuff and stuff like that. Girl, I love me some Uber Eats. Me and Uber Eats, (laughs) I have a whole line item in my budget. Just Uber Eats because I don't want to (laughs) cook. And that's okay, girl, because it's like, listen, do I want to spend $50 on this sushi roll because Uber Eats is disrespectful or do I want to starve? Well, I'm not going to starve. So (laughs) Uber Eats, girl, that's self-care. Choosing you is self-care.
0: Oh my gosh. Yes. I love all of that. And I think I'm going to have to implement that Tuesday. Sit with your thoughts. I am such a fan. I was very deliberate in when I decided to go full-time entrepreneurship. I'm like, I'm not working Fridays because the fuck I don't want to. Like, this is a special exception that we're doing because I love you and I want to hang out with you. But, you know, people try to book me on shit on the weekends. I'm like, nope, sorry. That's my time. People trying to book me at like 8 p.m. on a Tuesday. Nope. Sorry, that's my time. Like you have to self-enforce those boundaries Mm because ain't nobody else going to do that shit for you. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's talk about your best advice. Let's do a little quick gem drop for somebody who is ready to launch their entrepreneurial dream, but is Mm -hmm. just like overwhelmed with where to start. Mm -hmm. What's your best advice?
2: Mm -hmm. Ooh, okay. They're ready to launch their entrepreneurial dreams. They're sitting at work like, girl, this ain't it. So I would say the first thing that you need to do is you need to have proof of concept. We love to skip over this part, right? It's like, okay, we're going to get the logo and build the website and do this and do this and do this and do this. And, do this, and then we're going to launch and then it's crickets and we are shocked, right? It's like, oh, why did nobody buy for me for my new business? I can't believe it. My friends and my family don't support me. So the first thing that you need is proof of concept. So if you want to do a course, if you want to do a service, if you want to launch a clothing line, whatever. I would try to shop it around to your friends, family. First, right, and see what the response is because you're gonna get a uh, good market research pending that these people are your target audience, right? So if I'm teaching a how to invest in the stock market course, I'm not gonna go ask abuelita for her input because guess what, abuelita is not interested in the stock market. She is <laughs> is beyond her time. So you need to find the target customer that you want to work with and ask them questions. So I'll give you an example. When I decided that I was gonna launch one day CMO and Essentially like being an acting CMO for CEOs, I asked my friends, like I literally just started asking questions, what are your pain points? like what frustrates you the most about marketing? I would read people's posts and I literally have a story like saved post, a category I should say on Instagram that's called research. and I just saved people's posts. So anybody that was talking about like burnout, overwhelm, being a CEO, marketing, I saved it and I read through the comments, right? What are people saying? What are people struggling with? Where's the gap in the marketplace? And I found that everybody who was talking about like higher level marketing had a coaching program, but CEOs don't have time to go through a coaching program. They need done for you services, right? So after I gathered all this data, right, and I kind of like had proof of concept, then I started having conversations. Hey, this is what I'm thinking about. This is what it's going to look like. What do you think? Oh, and I did three for free. So it's something that I charged $5,000 for now, but I did three for free in my target market. So I talked to one person who, she has a podcast and a membership community. Another person had an agency and then the other person was actually out there and she had a product-based business. So I went through the whole process with them and I learned, Ooh, this was too long. Ooh, this was bad. They didn't understand this. Right. And I refined the process. So by the time I put it out in the marketplace, I already knew how to market, right. Because I knew what the pain points were. And I also had already practiced and I knew how to make sure that my service was going to be something that will get people results. So if you're sitting like, oh, my God, like, how am I going to launch my business? You have to start doing it. Do it for free. Do it for a couple of people. Make the T-shirts. Sell the T-shirts. If you're making T-shirts, if you go over on, you know, I'm from the Bronx. So if you go on Young Southern Boulevard and you put up a table, baby, with 20 T-shirts, and at the end of the day, you still got 20 T-shirts, maybe the streets don't want a T-shirt. <laughs> maybe the streets don't want your T-shirt, girl. Maybe you need to come up with something else. Right. But you need to put yourself in the marketplace to start to test, to start to get feedback, to start to improve before you buy the domain, hire the web designer, do all these branding and marketing things. Because then you set up shop and your actual product or service isn't foundationally sound. Right. It's like you, Mm -hmm. you built your house on sand. Right. So that's always my first step. Test, try, do market research, get that proof of concept. And then once you know you got something legit, then get it on and popping.
0: Yeah. And don't be afraid to invest a little bit of money, y'all. Like we ain't going to make no money unless we're ready to put some skin in the game. So I think that's important. Like get past the, oh, my God, it's going to be a waste of money, da, da, da. It's going to be a learning opportunity, if anything, Mm -hmm. because the only thing that's going to have you doing the same shit is if you do nothing. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's talk about your money mantra. Mm. Do you have one? Yes. If you don't
2: give money a job, it will not work for you. Ooh. I've always been into like Okay, how can I make my money work for me? So I've taken stock classes, I know how to trade forex, like I have a 401k, a Roth, a, you know, I have all every financial vehicle that is like available to the everyday person, I've probably touched it at some point. But what I realized was when I wasn't like creating a budget to like actually give my money a job, it wouldn't happen. So I do the 50/30/20 budget, but I do 50% expenses, 30% investing, 20% personal or life expenses, it's math. It's not even how I feel. So I have a spreadsheet. I put in my take-home pay, you know, each month. And then it automatically calculates what's 50%, what's 30%, what's 20%. If I'm over in the 50% category, guess what? Some gotta get cut. Netflix gotta go. We gotta refinance the car. We gotta do something, right? Maybe we we need to like buy less groceries. Maybe I can't shop at Trader Joe's. Maybe I need to go here. It's called Fiesta. In the Bronx, it will be called Western Beef, Sea Town, right? Like maybe I need to, maybe I can't eat organic, right? 30% goes to investing. So I do 4% to my 401k and I get a 4% match. And then I invest into my personal investing account. So I have like a Robinhood. I also have an ally investing account. And then the rest goes to life insurance, emergency fund, all that type of stuff. So I just split up the money and then the rest goes into my personal, right? But the only reason that this works is because I have one card and one bank, for bills, I have one card and one bank for personal expenses, and then all of my investments get auto-drafted. So by Uh the time that my money hits my accounts, right, like I have one card, Navy Federal. Baby, if Navy Federal texts me and says there's no money, there's no money. I'm broke. (laughs) I don't have money for nothing else, right? My investments automatically get deducted out of my paycheck, so I can't even touch it. And then for my bills, all of my bills get auto-drafted out of that um, checking account, So same thing. Like I need to make sure that there's money in there so I don't have the luxury of like, oh, well, I'm just going to transfer $100. Oh, I'm just going to do this. Everything automatically goes and funnels into the account so that I don't have to think about it. But then also that I don't make myself responsible for moving the money. Because if I make myself, girl, the money's not, it's going to be on Uber Eats. Like Uber Eats, y'all need to sponsor me, okay? Because I'm spending so much money. It's going to go to Uber Eats and it's going to go to Amazon and Amazon has enough money. So that's my secret. I need to give it a job. Okay, this money's going here. This money's going here. Boom, boom, boom. And then I can proceed without any stress or worry that something's not getting done.
0: Mm, I love it. We got so many gems in this episode, Emily, and I know folks are going to want to find out so much more about you. So where's the best place for us to follow you, follow your journey, work with you, etc.?
2: Yes, so to find me, you guys can find me on social media. I'm at Emily La Cruz. Y'all gonna have to look for it in the show notes because the spelling (laughs) is very Dominican. Uh, (laughs) So you can find me there if you are interested in marketing services. So if you're a CEO and you're just like burnt out with your marketing and you're ready to delegate that, you can find me at One Day the word one the word day cmo.com and you can find all my services on there and i recently launched a podcast yay finally you can you guys can stop stalking me now <laughs> and that's over on sanity and success
0: that is amazing i love your energy and i just love being able to use my platform to highlight that All of the things that we need as business owners, whether it's marketing professionals, virtual assistants, whatever the hell it is you need, we can find it right here in our community. We Mm -hmm. don't need to keep outsourcing our businesses to communities who don't even fucking get what we're trying to do. And so if you need some marketing uh, tactics that are going to help you take your business to the next level, you need to contact Emily like ASAP and tell her I sent you. Okay. So thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you so much. I had a blast. I'm going to need to get you on my show because I just want to talk to you all the time. We have a good time, girl.
0: Let's do it. I'm so here
2: for it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good one.
1: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you
0: are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina, The Ultimate Blueprint for Becoming Poderosa with Your Dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start. That's YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start. And start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa.